Hey everybody, welcome back to Linux Cast. I'm your host Matt. And I'm Tyler. Alright, so this is the Linux Cast. We talk about Linuxy things. And uh, last week we did not do a normal episode. We sat and we bitched about things for two hours. And that was a fun episode. That was really good. Uh, it also is uh, one of our highest viewed uh, oh, uh, podcasts uh, recently. Not like ever, but recently. We, it was really good. Um, but this week... We're not going to do that. I'm sure there will be some bitching and moaning going around, but we're going to be more hyper-focused this week, um, supposedly. We'll see how that goes. So, Tyler. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, my friend. Uh, what have you been doing on Linux this week, you Windows user? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, I started out the week using Gentoo, um, try, trying to – so. I got Gentoo installed, no problem. This it was the first time I did a ButterFS install of um, Gentoo, but went fine. Um, the install went great. Installed all of my applications live, which ended up because you know we we install OBS and Caden Live and all that type of shit. It take it took like seven hours or something. It was like a seven to eight hour live stream of me installing Gentoo because I did all of the program installing everything on stream. And I ended up with a system that worked, but Xorg didn't. And I have debugged Xorg plenty of times. Like, I mean, the log file's not really hard to keep up with, but on Gen 2, I could not for the life of me figure out why Xorg was having this issue. It would start up, and DWM would, I mean, all the stuff would load up and launch fine. But wherever a program was on my screen, it would take like a picture of it and keep it there. So like if I had a browser, like let's say I load into DWM, the first program I open is Firefox. It's going to be there on my screen, look totally normal. When I open a terminal because I have transparency and all the nice effects with my PyCom, I can see the terminal come up, but I can still see an image of the browser now behind it. Um, and then if I quickly close both of them, like before the animations or anything happens, I'll end up with the terminal here and Firefox here, like a picture of them, even though they're completely closed and everything. It, it was extremely weird and, I could not figure out what in the hell was going on. Uh, and it, after like an hour of trying to deal with the problem, I was just like, you know what? I'm getting a little upset. spaghetti. Let's, let's, ins let's not get agitated as shit. Let's just do something that's going to be fun. So in like 10 minutes, I just switched out everything and, and, and installed windows. Mm. Okay. And so I'm going to solve your Gen 2 problem right here. <laughs> I okay. would, I would, uh, I mean, I can't guarantee it, obviously, but you did answer me this question. Did you have PyCom installed? Yes. I would almost guarantee, almost guarantee that it was a PyCom problem, not Xorg. Uh, that sounds good, except for PyCom was not the issue. Um, or if it was, it doesn't make any sense. Cause the the reason why I say it was Pycom is because I'm having the exact same issue with, well, not the exact similar issues with uh, Pycom or with i3, and that's the reason why I'm not using Gen 2 right now is because after I installed Pycom, the Windows did weird things, like when I open up a terminal instead of having the terminal I have like a uh, just a border, and then. If I open up another terminal, I actually get the terminal, but no border, but it's frozen. It's just a picture. Like, you can't do anything with it. What? You can't switch it back and forth. So, it's really weird. So, I'm almost positive that it's a PyCom issue. Or at least for me. I, I don't know about you. I'm, I mean, that's, like, to be honest, that sounds really good. But the weird part is, is, like, a week before this, I was running the same build. Like, nothing's changed about my build of PyCom. Nothing. And I was using the same build on Gentoo last week, and it was working perfectly fine. And this is the same build that I not really ported over, but 
kind of did. I mean, if you go on my GitLab, I have a ported version of Jonah Burke's PyCom mm-hmm. in my repositories, and that's I ported over to OpenBSD. Works fine on OpenBSD too. But no, I, like there's almost. I mean, it that sounds very plausible, but there should be no reason for it to happen because yeah. nothing's changed. Pretty much, like the the entire chat is agreeing with me. It's PyCom. It's because without without a wallpaper, apparently does it does that. I've never experienced the without the wallpaper thing because I've had. PyCon running without wallpapers before, uh, but it's also possible. I don't know. You can't test it now because you blew it away. So yeah, and I will say it. It that's that's also could definitely be it because when I first started up X with PyCon, I didn't have a wallpaper, but I did set a wallpaper after this, and it still continued to happen. So the reason why I always thought what what reason why I thought it was PyCom is because you said you were looking in the Xorg log and it didn't have like any errors, right? It was just said nothing. Nothing. That almost when Xorg shits the bed, it tells you it shits the bed. That that's why I was getting so pissed off because I'm like (laughs) Xorg does such a good job. So come on. So when when you get when you're having problems and it says no errors, that usually means that it's not Xorg that's having the problem. That's I, I would put some money, not a, a significant amount of money, but I'd put some money on it being PyCon. It's Linux because it could be something different, but I'm I'm pretty sure that it's gonna that problem would end up being PyCon. And I'm pretty sure that's where my problem lies too, is because that what I did. So uh, let's go ahead and move on. Mine. So I also yeah, yeah. installed Gentoo. Okay, the install was successful, uh, and it took around four hours, but it didn't really take four hours because you spent a good portion of that first hour and some minutes trying to figure out how to get the stream going on YouTube. Total noobs. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but by the time we go, got going, it's probably about a three hour install. And at the end of it, I was able to log into a TTY. Uh, I had X, I believe we even installed Xorg at that, at that point and I three at that point. Uh, but I didn't actually log into anything that night. So the next day I come in and I try to, Log in or you know start X into i3 because I created an X and RC and it Xorg would not launch, but that's because the people who were helping me Zany um, <laughs> forgot to tell me how to to uh, forgot to tell me to uh, put it in like e login D or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had to do that. Ben helped me with that, uh, and I no, got I did I th- send you that message. Yeah. So I, I got. <laughs> um, anyways, we did get into i3 was working fine everything was good but the hard drives you know i got i even went through and installed a whole bunch of programs on my own some of them were even masked and i remembered how to unmask stuff which was everybody should be very proud of me mm-hmm. um i am and then i install nemo because i've been told not to install crusader but did you know that nemo has like 63 dependencies or whatever it was it took forever Jeez. To install Nemo, like like half an hour. <laughs> like I should have just installed Crusader and I would have been just as happy, you know. <laughs> but but anyway, especially since how eventually I was gonna have to install half that KD that KD stuff anyways, because I'm gonna have to have Kid in live anyway. So I should have just yeah. done Crusader, but whatever. So open up Nemo once it's done compiling. And it sees none of my hard drives except for the one that Gentoo's installed on. It doesn't see my NVMe, which has Arco on it. It doesn't see any of the... I have three other hard drives that are in the computer. It doesn't see any of those. It doesn't see the 14 terabyte external hard drive. It doesn't see any of them. And I don't look at I had the same problem with Void. So I'm assuming that it's just me doing something wrong. Now, I understand that some of these they wouldn't see because it has NTF... They're formatted NTFS, right? But uh, so I knew I had to install something from there. But even in just installing NTFS 3G didn't fix the problem. So I got on the horn with them. Could you see them with LSBLK? Yeah, they would showed up with LSBLK, but they would not install. So we ended up having to. There was a we had to in the in the the final solution was to install. First of all, Ben Ben sent me his use flags. We put in some use flags into the the main main main.conf file. And then we also installed the U-Disks and uh, D- D-Bus, I think. Um, mm-hmm. And then we had to exec i3 with D-Bus support right out of the bat in order for them to actually work. Mm-hmm. It was... It, 
we worked on it for probably an hour and a half. We finally finally did get it to work, and I finally can go through and you know get all to all my hard drives and stuff. It's really works really well. So then I pulled down my i3 config, I compiled PyCom, and rebooted, uh, and got back into start X did a start X into back into i3, and it started doing that stupid thing where I. I Launched it like alacrity. It had no alacrity, but just the terminal, just the border. So I opened up another alacrity, and it would go into. It would open up the alacrity, but it would be just frozen. It would be nothing there. Even the cursor wasn't blinking, and you couldn't focus it. So either it was just a picture, or it was, you know, uh, just frozen. And that's where I've left it. That's that I haven't gotten to it. So so the. There's either one or two things happen. Either the PyCom is not working properly, so I'll have to uninstall it. So that's the first thing I'm going to try. The other thing I'm going to try is uh, just going back to regular stock i3 and seeing if that will work with even with PyCom installed, I suppose. Because um, it's possible that there's something about my i3 config. As somebody was mentioning that the scratch pad uh, rules in i3 don't work really well in Gentoo for some reason, which doesn't make sense to me like whatsoever but uh it, it's not it wouldn't be hard to uncomment to come at the mountain you know try it um so that's the that's where i am right now is that uh i have a working uh system with gen 2 on it with a broken thing of i3 oh and i also have xfc because we, we during trying to get my drives to mount uh Ben had me install XFCE so that I could actually get in there and use uh, his exact setup in order to see because he said it worked for him because after he, he said we went we went through and used his use flags and did the at world thing mm-hmm. and thinking that that would fix it but to keep me on i3 and that didn't work so we then decided because he uses XFCE so we installed XFCE. I booted back into XFCE. That still didn't work. So it was my thoughts. It was fun. No, it wasn't fun. <laughs> no, like no, it was. All right, look. And and like I said, like I told Ram Jam, I have a video coming up on Monday where I will give my final thoughts on on Gen two. I hope to at that point to have actually used it for some period of time, actually successfully, like actually to do things. Uh, and if I can get i3 working on it, I will be able to do that. If not, I'll just use XFC for a while. Um, but the point is, is that my my initial thoughts after uh, four or five days of using it for a few hours each day is that it is a pain in the ass. Like, can't disagree with that. It's just one one thing after another. Not necessarily goes wrong, but it's you have to do one thing after another in order to do things that for just should be there. You yeah. should be able to see your hard drives automatically in, in a, a default. That, that should not be an option for you to have to install on top of everything else. That should just be there. It's like uh, having a steering wheel in a car. It should just be one of those things that just work. And it's not, apparently. Apparently you have to do other things in order to get that to work. Um so it, I don't know. It, it, like I said, if I can get this i3 thing to to fix, so that I can actually use it, I think that I will have a better experience because I'm at the point now where pretty much everything is working. So like I've got, like I installed flat packs, so I can install the flat pack stuff that I need. I've I mean, I installed several flat packs already. Um, I know that's cheating, but I don't care. There's just some something like you can't get a two uh, you can't get a 3.0 version of audacity through gen 2 or any distro they're all still on 2.2. Dis- two something uh, so i have to use a flat pack so i might as well use flat packs of something so i'm using to use the flat pack of gimp as well and uh what hold on 3.0 isn't that the version of audacity like that's like the latest yeah wait why why would you you want to use the latest version because I switched on Arch a while back to Audacium, which is based on 3.0. So all of my uh, templates and stuff oh. for my thing use the brand new file format. Gotcha. And uh, that means that I have to use the brand new versions of Audacity in order to actually read them because the old versions don't have, compa- you know, uh, 
the ability to read the old file, file or the new file format, which <laughs> sucks. I'd much rather just use Audacium, but you can't get Audacium to work because it's incompatible with FFmpeg 5.0, and they haven't fixed that yet. So, balls. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll see. I'm going to keep my Gen 2 install until Monday. If it's still working, um, I might continue on and actually do like a long-term review of it. We'll see. Um, but as of right now... Uh, not impressed with it. I'm just going to put it that way. Um, no. I have learned a lot, though. Like, I've learned quite a bit, but there's also a lot of syntax there that I just don't, I'm never going to remember. So, like, the after you unmask the whatever you're trying to install, there's that dispatch-comp thing that yep. you have to do. I'm never, like, I've had to look it up five times. I never remember it. And also, yeah. every time you change a use flag, you have to do the something emerged at world or something with with some flags mm-hmm. right i don't know what yeah. these flags mean so i can't remember those flags so um yeah that's gonna end up being a yeah. pain in the you can shorten it a lot by doing um a v um in i believe it's a v n and d like dash a v and then um, I believe N and D are have to be capitalized, but it's the dash dash ask dash dash verbose dash dash new use or changed use uh, and then dash dash um, deep and then at world, which is just the most beautiful update command that you've ever seen. I mean, am I right or am I right? It's you're wrong. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're, like you're wrong because I can't remember it. Uh, I I would... I would be so happy if there was some place where there was a cheat sheet for that kind of thing. Like, um, like everybody's gonna say, well, yeah, just man emerge. Like, well, yeah, that's true. But the man emerge thing is like five thousand wor- lines long, mm-hmm. and that's not a cheat. That's not the way a cheat sheet works. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you want something that you can access quickly and say, hey, oh yeah, that's what I need. I yeah. mean, we all know cheat sheets are about the size of a novel, so you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like it's just I just need like one sheet with the main commands, the apps they have to know. That that'd be fantastic. But the, as far as I know, that that doesn't exist. And granted, I haven't searched that far. I'm sure somewhere online somebody's actually done it. But um, anyways, that, that's my experience so far with Gen 2. Somebody wanted to know uh, Ram Jam or Ram Just Ram. Uh, thank you uh, for uh, getting me to that goal there for uh, briefly. And um, I hope that you found your investment. Uh, you know. He said he said in chat that it was money well spent so far, and mm-hmm. he also asked me if I saw you squirm. And I don't know about squirm, but I will say this much: he only threatened our lives a couple once. Times. No, no. As far as I know, it was only once. the uh, The other time was just an indirect threat. <laughs> was like you know. Okay. For those of you who haven't, the live stream is still up. The live stream of my Gen 2 install is still up. The first hour of it is just me messing around with the stream. You won't even hear my voice for the first hour of it because my audio was fucked up on Arco and you couldn't hear me. So you'll just hear Ben and you know a few people in the Discord talking while I'm messing around trying to get... you know I had to download Kubuntu. I had a DD Ubuntu. That took like an hour. I did finally yeah. put a, a timestamp in there so people could jump to the Gen 2 install. Um, I'm surprised that thing has 2,000 views. Honestly, I'm just saying. I know. I know. When that stream ended and I saw the view count on it, I, I was astounded. Yeah. Like, um, anyways, that was incredible. If, if you haven't gone through and, and actually watched it, it's some of it is pure hilarity because Ben, Ben and Tyler were trying to tell me how to do stuff. Josh came in for a while and he was trying to tell me tell me how to do stuff, and uh, they didn't always agree. So I felt uh-huh. like a I felt like a school marm and had to, at one point I shouted at you, "Hey, shut up!" <laughs> I told you all to shout. Um, and, and there there was one time where I told you that I was going to murder everyone by the end of the stream. Uh, yep. But. Honestly, all right, so in terms of the install, the install was not bad. Once they actually got to the point of actually installing stuff, yes, the people who were helping me were annoying. help, Very helpful, yeah. but also annoying as fuck. Uh, um, once I got to that point, it was fine. The, the hardest part of the entire stream was trying to figure out the audio problems on Argo. 
trying to get the stream actually up and running. If we hadn't had that initial problem, if we'd just been able, if I'd just been able to start installing Gentoo right from the beginning, the install process was not bad at all. Um, it didn't take, it, there wasn't even any point where I had to emerge something and it took like an hour. You know what I mean? It just, even the, the, like the main emerge, the one that does the, you know, the, the beginning of the, inst the, at the beginning of the install, right? That only took, you know, 20 minutes probably because I know there's only like 13 or something. So, yeah. and know. also a, a good thing that I've learned now is never decide that it's a good day to start or to stop um, like your nicotine habit and do a Gen 2 install or help someone with a Gen 2 install. Never a good idea ever. And for anyone who watches the stream, I apologized in the stream to Ben, and I'll do it again here. Ben, I still profusely apologize for the way that I talked to you that night. It was uncalled for. Very snippy, but it, it, yeah. it was a good four-hour stream, if you can put up with it. But like I said, there is a timestamp there, so you can skip the stream stuff. All right. That was an interesting... <laughs> That was a lot of bitching about Gen 2, but it's okay. I'm sure I'll have more thoughts next week if uh, if I'm still there. I, I don't know whether or not that'll happen. All right, so contact information. You can contact with us. Uh, contact with us. This is going to be one of those times. You can ta contact us uh, via... I, I don't even know where... I, like I have the contact information right now. It, it looks weird. <laughs> like There's stuff missing. Uh, you can there's to, a lot of missing. Uh, all right, so you can find all of our stuff... At the linuxcast.org, subscription uh, buttons, all that stuff, blog posts, all that kind of stuff. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash linuxcast. Tyler's at youtube.com slash zanyog. Uh, he also has links to this, to uh, his Patreon and stuff on all of his videos, so you can check that out as well. You can subscribe to Linuxcast uh, on YouTube at youtube.com slash linuxcast. You can uh, contact us uh, via all the other ways that we are available to be contacted at the linuxcast.org slash contact. Also, someone emailed me. I'm sorry I don't remember your name, but a couple weeks ago I made the comment that uh, I had once owned the linuxcast.com and then uh, Hover decided that they were going to make that a premium domain and it was going to cost like $800. Apparently they gave that up and I was able to get it for 15 bucks. So now if you want to go to the linuxcast.com, it will redirect you to the website. So um, I do now do own that. So whoever emailed me that, I, again, I apologize. I don't remember your name, uh, but thank you uh, so much for that. So Tyler, every single week you and I scour the internet for news, breaking news, like CNN breaking news that you can only get here on the Linuxcast. Tyler, what is your news of the week? All right, so Ukraine. No, no, just kidding. Okay. Uh, my article is about the Apple M1 and uh, the Linux on it, which is pretty interesting because uh, for it being in such an early alpha state, it's actually surprisingly performant. For Again, like if you're unfamiliar with this, like Linux should not be running on, on this hardware at all uh there's it's it, for one it's apple so they clearly don't want you using anything other than mac and also it, there's there's a surprising amount of people who are very into getting linux working on this device and it's come a long way um the install for linux on the m1 according to the article is still kind of it's definitely rough around the edges and you can run into issues, but for the most part, it's pretty reliable and there's a lot going on like development behind the scenes to get a lot of stuff working, including graphics. Cause right now, if you're using Linux on the Mac M1, I believe it states um, towards the end that there is no GPU acceleration on it yet. But that is, as far as I know, there is quite a few individuals working on getting GPU acceleration working on it. So hopefully here before too long, we won't just see um, the Gallium, I think is what it's called, uh, their Gallium 3D whatever thing for the chip. But uh, there, there's talks about after that, they'll need to work on Vulkan and stuff. But uh, so far, the development of this 
Linux on Mac is, or M1 specifically, it's going really well. All right, yeah. I don't really have any interest in running Linux on a Mac because I'm never going to buy that hardware, but uh, I have a high interest in watching the guy who's developing a lot of this stuff. He, he streams a lot of his development work on YouTube, mm-hmm. and he is a wizard at using Kate. Like, so the, 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 like, if you think that I'm bad with tabs, you should see this guy. Like, he uses tabs in console, like the KDE the terminal thing. He has, like, mm-hmm. 40 tabs open in, 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 the, in the terminal, and, like, 30 or 40 tabs open in K. It's, it's glorious, man. Like, this is a man after my own heart. It's fantastic. Uh, yeah. It's, I imagine that, and I get anxiety. Like, it's, like, it's like so, so cool. If you haven't watched any of his uh, development work, he, he's really good at developing stuff. Like he, he had no, he, he was doing something with Rust. Like I don't know any development work else. I don't know the lingo, but he was he, he had to do something in Rust. He had no clue how to do it. And in like a six-hour stream, taught himself how to do Rust and created what he needed to do. Like and he just did it. Like I want to be that guy when I grow up. Yeah, and, like it was good so Lord. cool. Um, and like, he does a lot of bash scripting and stuff cause, cause that's basically how you install this Asahi or whatever it is, is, is through a bash script, um, or a shell script script probably. Uh, but still the, the, the point is, is that it, it, just watching that is just really cool. It's like, it's kind of like ASMR kind of stuff, you know, like I'm not really into that, but it's kind of awesome. Um, but anyways, yeah, uh. I, I I watch I, for whatever reason Tyler I always watch the t- the Apple announcements of all their hardware stuff even though I'm not a big Apple guy like it's it's a it's a holdover from when I was a big Apple guy and mm-hmm. uh, I I watched that Mac Studio uh, release thing like I looked at that computer like that computer looks really cool but first of all five thousand dollars for ex- a computer kind of too expensive for me. Uh, too expensive that's that's pocket change <laughs> 5k is nothing but also I, I if i don't have out of the box like straight up freedom to install whatever i want on it i don't want to buy your machine like that's just the way it is maybe that's not the way i always was but i am that way now you know what i mean yeah. like i know that this asahi uh, or whatever uh, linux is going to be there and but it's not you know like really good yet like uh, i have a, yeah. I, I have confidence that they'll get there but right so, if i bought that right now you know it just say won the lottery and i wanted a pretty looking computer um, i couldn't install linux on it like, i had to like virtualize it like uh, i'd rather spend like half that amount of money on a really like awesome computer <laughs> like you, mm-hmm. you know and just install linux on it. it'd be great um or or buy a System76 machine for, like, half the price. You know what I mean? Like, we always say how expensive System76 is, but they're not that expensive. <laughs> That's for damn sure. All right. My news item of the week, if I can get the, uh, you know, the, the thing up, which I probably can't, uh, is something that's a little older because I actually found this link a couple weeks ago. But Canonical has patched the dirty pipe vulnerability in 21.10 and 20.04 LTS. Now, with the way the attention span is in the world, people probably don't even remember what this is since that was like two weeks ago. But a, t- a couple of weeks ago, there was a, uh, a vulnerability that was found in Linux called dirty pipe, which is an amazing name. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, everyone thought it was the end of the world. Like there was, like, like there was every Linux YouTuber, like outside of me, made a video about this, and it was the news of the minute for about a minute, uh, and mm-hmm. then like people probably don't remember, remember it. But the the point is, is that if you, uh, even if you don't know what this is, and I'm not technologically advanced enough to explain it to you. But if you don't know what this is, you should still update your computer. And most Linux distributions are uh, have been updated. The reason why I wanted to talk about this was because if you had a like a, a really bad flaw on Windows, it would take three or four weeks for them to patch it. A lot of times. Um, mm-hmm. And on Linux, where Hardly anyone gets paid to do this work, by the way. Hardly anyone. <laughs> uh, this was fixed 
within like 48 hours. Now, granted, there's still going to be some systems out there that are still vulnerable because they haven't been updated. But the, the point is, is that if you use a fairly recent kernel, it's probably fixed now, you know? Or, or even if you on most, if you just run a command, yeah. like there, there, it might not even like fully upgrade your kernel to like, you know, a complete new release. But at the very least, like you'll get, uh, as far as I know, there are like point releases for fixing it. Yeah. And most and distributions you just don't, you don't, this right here is why Linux is awesome is because when Linux is not perfect. It's going to have security flaws, but the fact that when something is found, it's fixed almost immediately uh, is amazing. Now, there are bugs, obviously, that aren't security flaws that can linger for 20 or 30 years. <laughs> yep. But when something like this is bad, you know, it gets fixed. Same thing with, like, that Log4j that was, like, a couple months ago. There was, like, three mm -hmm. people that worked on that project completely, and they had it fixed, like, almost immediately. Now, granted, it was... Updating that and getting that patch pushed out to everybody was a much bigger problem because it's, yeah. you know, not something that people pay attention to a lot. But the point is that the fix was there almost immediately. And granted, that's not Linux, but that's still open source stuff. And that's why it's so cool, right? So, uh, well, yeah. I mean, it's also cool because, like, we actually don't ever do the thing of, oh, no, that's just a new feature. Like, yeah, it might be severely insecure, a big problem for some, but at, at least we're not the like Microsoft community where we're like, it's a feature. Yeah, it's not. It's not. You know? a, it's not a feature, okay? Like, I mean, if you go back, Microsoft's done that a handful of times, like severe bugs or like vulnerabilities being labeled as features. They've done that before. Like, that's a thing that they've definitely done. I'm never going to trust a company that has just finally decided to put tabs in their file explorer after 30 years and calls it innovation. <laughs> it's, that is cutting-edge te technology. Uh, like, Linux has had tabs in the file, in every file explorer it's ever had. Since almost the beginning, I think Nautilus like 1.0 had tabs. I mean, that's probably not true, but it's close. You know, it's been it's been around for a long time. There's not, I don't know that there's even a single like web or file manager on Linux, even like the, the that index one that's based on uh, um, Maui Kit or whatever. I think even that has tabs, and then and that thing like doesn't have like half the features of a file manager. It still has tabs, and Linux is or Windows is just adding it now. And it's not even there yet. Like they're they're testing it. Like yeah. well, what are you gonna test, yeah. man? It's tabs in the, in the freaking <laughs> file manager. It's been around forever. It's easy to do. You know. <laughs> hey, it's easy to do, but when the majority of your code base is like 30 years old and yeah, like that's... just getting stacked on top of each other, it could be difficult. That's probably true. Like like even Finder on Mac OS has tabs. You know, and it's had tabs for. A long while. Dude, like, you're just a hater, all right? You just, you don't understand, okay? No, no tabs is a feature. <laughs> like, why would you want tabs? Just open up another window and add it to a workspace. <laughs> no tabs is a feature. It's just, it's just a feature. All right. Um... Moving on to the main topic, folks. We're moving right along, which is pretty good. All right, so the main topic this week is one that Tyler came up with, and I've rephrased a couple times, so we probably have no clue what we're talking about. I'm just going to put that out there. Uh, the original one was something like, uh, should be should Linux be like a... Whoa. DIY a a OS. Yeah, a, and the idea you had behind this when you came up with this topic was that was right around the time you were messing around with LFS, right? Yep. All right. So I rephrased it as is Linux from scratch really feasible? And I think I titled the stream is Linux from scratch a good idea. So we're, we're transitioning into stuff. So Tyler, why don't you tell us what you're thinking about when you're came up with this topic, if you can remember. Yeah. Um, well, really the, the mindset of the question is, should Linux really be something that is um, requires you to do it yourself to to add functionality or to um, 
you know, just, just be a really functional OS. Do we really want a more do it yourself attitude in Linux? Cause I, I don't know about you, but I see it oftentimes online where someone's having an issue with something and the, the solution to the problem is to go and fix it yourself instead of it just doing that. But like tabs in a file browser, like, um, well, let's just pick a file man. You were talking about Nautilus earlier. Let's just go with that. Let's just say Nautilus didn't have tabs, but you could add in the functionality. With a lot of those kinds of programs where you can add in functionality that for most people, they expect it to be there by default. I hear a lot of people being like, well, you can just add it and that's what you should do instead of it just being there. So like the ability to see and mount hard drives to your computer right out of the bat. Yeah. Yeah. Like, should you, like, do we really want to have the mindset in Linux that you should, like, it should be on the end user to set up stuff and get it working essentially properly out of the gate? I personally don't think this is a good attitude to have. But I really want to open it up and see, like, maybe I'm wrong. Like, maybe maybe my stance on this is completely unfounded and we that's actually what the community wants is something that you need to configure you need to take care of i think that there has to be a middle ground okay so we have two extremes we have the lfs and gen 2 approach whereas literally do everything yourself um mm-hmm. and if you have a problem you fix it literally uh, and then we have the opposite approach of like elementary OS and GNOME, where you everything is done for you. It's a closed system that is that you use, and you use it how the developers exactly want you to use it. And there's no customization, there's no adding features, there's nothing like that. Mm-hmm. So you you have two extremes, and then you have a middle ground, and I call that middle ground. Arch Linux. Let's just <laughs> let's just put that out there. We just call call the middle ground Arch Linux. Uh, but I mean, it's not even just Arch Linux, but it's literally any other distribution where you can install like they have different flavors, like you got Manjaro or even Ubuntu or or you know Kubuntu or Linux Mint or something like that, where you can you, you have options to do things. Right. That's where the middle ground kind of lies. Like if you Let's just use my. But actually, hold on. I I don't mean to cut, or I do mean to cut you off. But <laughs> I I also apologize um because i don't want to forget it you were talking about elementary os and this is a good example um elementary os is a is an operating system clearly made for new users and designed for new users in mind with that being said we complained about this and talked about this back when we were trying elementary os um and with elementary os when they switched over to Flatpak, again, I, I I haven't used elementary OS in a while, so I don't know how this has changed, if it's changed at all. <clears throat> but their software center is using Flathub slash Flatpaks. And for for you to occupy or fill the software center with stuff, you had to actually go to Flathub and add essentially Flathub to your software repository and download something, and then it would populate. Yeah. It's the same thing with Fedora, okay? And and the reason why that happens, and I've been told this, and it's a stupid reason, it's because Flat Hub comes with proprietary software. Okay, so you can well, uh, even if that's the case, a lot of the like I heard this argument quite a bit of where where you as an end user should it that's just on you like you should just right. like there's not a problem with that so you, it, you just need to know that the attitude is completely like opposite of what elementary OS is supposed to be about right and that's the reason yeah. why we complained about it is because it was so out of the ordinary everything else is done for you in elementary OS. the fact that you had to go and enable this functionality in order to get firefox it, it was really weird and i don't know if they fixed it or not but there should have been a button like it should have been say hey uh, by default, we don't have the software, or, or by default, our software limit is to just free software, or whatever it is. Like, obviously, professionally buffed up into frilly text. The, yeah. the the 
but there should have been like a, a pop-up but when you first open up the app center a button that says hey would you like to add file hub support yes or no uh, and then tell you the consequences of doing either or right that's the way yeah. element 3 should be and maybe they fixed that maybe they haven't but the, the point is is that the idea there is still the same is is that everything is done for you right and you or at least theoretically it's done for you and i i don't remember where i was going earlier but the 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 point is is that um give me a second i'll come back uh old person all timers just a second um well i cut you off too so yeah it's this is definitely your fault uh, <laughs> um yeah i have no clue what i was talking about or where i was going where, what my point was damn um I'm oh, a disaster oh i remember because right, we're going to talk about linux mint so let's just take linux mint for an example uh, linux mint is, is kind of the perfect example of being kind of a middle ground between those two extremes because you download the the main linux mint iso it comes with cinnamon on there by default it does it just works it does everything for you you know you can mount hard drives you can do all this stuff all the stuff that you'd expect a computer to do it does perfectly fine now i have obviously other problems with linux mint but we'll just put those you know to the side uh, but if you want to in linux mint it's very easy to change a theme. It's very easy to uh, add uh, extensions to Cinnamon if you want, because uh, Cinnamon has built-in GNOME extension support. Uh, very easy to get to, uh, just with a couple wet right clicks. It just works, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so it, it panders itself to new users and does a really good job of doing so with application support and... Uh, the ability to just use your computer, which is what most new users want, but it also allows you to have the ability, once you get past the point of being a new user, to uh, extend your your broaden to broaden your horizons and do customizations onto your desktop environment and your computer that is not so easy at one end of the of the extreme you know, elementary OS and is absolutely. 100% expected of you when you do something like Gen 2 or Linux or Linux from scratch, you know. So that's that's where the middle ground lies is things like Linux Mint, things like Ubuntu, things like Manjaro, and all the other distros that are kind of like that thing. Um, and I I joked about Arch Linux, but even Arch Linux is a little bit too close. It's a little bit more closer to the uh, Gen 2 and LFS thing than it is probably that middle ground because you still have to be able to, you know, install it, right? When, but but even then, once you've installed it, it's still not... You have to know how to build up your system yeah, like you, from there. You, 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 there's a, t a ton of stuff. Now, it's not as hard as Gen 2. Like, it's not... Oh, yeah. There's so, There's so many quirks about Gen 2 that you don't... You're not going to know. Like, but with... Arch and stuff, most of the stuff that you have to do is at least somewhat similar to what you'd have to do on other... Like, the package manager on Arch, Pac-Man, at least is somewhat intuitive. With uh, Gen 2, you have to know about use flags and all this stuff. That's not something that you're ever going to have to really do on Arch, right? So there's an added level of complexity when you talk about something like Gen 2. And then... If you go even beyond that into Linux from scratch, everything, like every single little piece of this operating system has to be something that you have touched and put in place. It's like a, it's like building a, a 6,000 piece jigsaw puzzle, right? If you miss one piece, like if you've lost one piece on the floor and the dog is down there munching on it, your system is not going to work. You know, buddy, stop that. You know, <laughs> stop. Give me the puzzle piece. Damn it, buddy. What are you doing? <laughs> I'm glad I've got my headphones in because he definitely would have responded to that. <laughs> and like, buddy, was like, I'm not doing anything, man. I'm, I'm just sitting here. <laughs> He's like, I'm just trying to take a nap. What's going just on? Leave me alone. I was just, I was just chewing on Tyler's computer. <laughs> oh, these, these cords look important. <laughs> <laughs> all right so yeah i don't know you said that i had to check my atx cable because he's been laying under my bed or under my desk for a while now and i'm like i wouldn't put it past him <laughs> to start nibbling on a 12 volt cord oh buddy you do stuff right all right so 
So let me answer this question. Let's talk about LFS specifically for a little while. Would you ever think about doing that again? Um, no, no. I had to think about it for a minute, but I, I, I learned enough from doing it once. I honestly don't know that I would learn that much more valuable like information from doing it over again. And cause the only reason I guess for me to do it over again, because I remember a lot of the install, even though I was sleep deprived for like, well, the All last like it. eight hours of the first one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was actually like, it was like a 30 something hour install. And I was the sane when I got that, sleep. That first live stream, you were going for a long time. Like I was there at the beginning. I went to bed, slept for eight hours Came back, you were still going. <laughs> yep. I went, I left again, went to work, you know, got breakfast and, you know, started my work and stuff. Came back to YouTube as I usually do. He was still going. And I just found it absolutely hilarious. And then he still wasn't done. He did it like three days, you know, in succession. Mm-hmm. And that proved me right there that I would never try. Like, I I don't care what I would learn, but there'd be no way that I'd ever... I don't have that kind of patience. Like, that, that's three hours of installing Gentoo the other night. That was my limit. Like, by the end of that, I was done. Like, you, you, yeah. you guys could probably... That's, that's what I'm saying when I say, like, people need to understand. You only threatened us once, really. The other one was a vague, like, sort of... Like just kind of threat, but like abstract. You weren't really threatening. It was anybody. half-hearted or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like I was expecting by the end of the stream for you to be like, okay, I'm definitely going to kill all of you guys, Tyler. I need your address because I'm going to come over there and shoot you. Like, I was sure you were going to be really upset by the end of it. You weren't. It was. It went well. It. Like, it wasn't like I said. If we hadn't had those stream problems at the beginning, it actually would have been a fairly easy install. Now. Was not as easy as our installing Arch Linux. Like there's, there's. So first of all, if you've never installed Gentoo, there's several parts of it that are actually very similar or even exactly the same as the Arch Linux install. Um, mm-hmm. There are several parts of it that aren't even anywhere close, right? So, uh, the the part. So it's not as if it was hard, but there was those extra parts that weren't the same that took a lot of time or at least more time than what you'd expect. Cause you can, you, if you know what you're doing, you can install vanilla arch Linux in 20 minutes. Uh, even if you're just, even if you're install, if you're, if you're running the, even if you are doing it step by step, like you would have had to in the old days without using the arch install script, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You can install arch Linux in 20 minutes. Like it's, and most of that's going to be spent downloading stuff probably. Um, mm-hmm. So you're never going to install gen two in 20 minutes. No, like, but I I do know people that do it in just about roughly double that time, and that's nuts. Like installing Gentoo in like 40, 40 to forty five minutes, that's th- impressive. They must have like ninety thousand cores in their computer. I'm just gonna put that. No, <laughs> the one person I know who did it was Party uh, on my Discord, and he, he's like, I don't know, like thirteen or fourteen. Did it did it in like forty five minutes. When he told me he was already done, I was like, wait, what? I was like, are you sure you're done? He's like, no, did, I booted into it. Did he send you proof? I don't know. Like, I, I kind of want to see proof. Like, I, I kind of want to see proof. Like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that a 14-year-old can't insult Gentoo. I'm sure that there's plenty, some 14-year-olds are way smarter than I am. More, I'm just saying that I don't believe that it was actually, that it's actually possible for anyone to do it that fast. I would. Oh, Josh has definitely done it that fast. I I would believe an hour and a half. Like I would believe an hour and a half. I wouldn't believe forty minutes. The only reason that's possible nowadays is because the um, desktop the desktop profile for Gentoo mm-hmm. comes with Rust like Ben already in it, and it also takes care of a lot of other stuff. Because I mean, you know, like the pretty much the most time consuming part of in actually getting the base install done was doing the initial install for the um, the uh, the first update emerging the world set um, and like that takes about 20 minutes so that before like without without rust bin being included if you forgot to install rust bin before you ran that command it was taken 
a while. I, I would not imagine, like anything else, though, if you've done it a, long, a lot of times, like over and over again, you'd probably get really good at it. Like it, it'd be something where you don't even have to, to consult the, the wiki. It would just go and do it, right? You know, you just – it would be really easy. Um, but even then I – mean, I was, that's the thing too. With Gentoo, you can do – Gentoo makes – like Gentoo makes LFS look so unbelievably complex by comparison. Like I know a lot of people like – well, I mean us. We've been talking about Gentoo and LFS like they're very close and very similar and they – are from like an Ubuntu user's perspective, <laughs> like they're they're completely in the same category. But when you actually have installed Gentoo before and you attempt LFS, not I'm not even saying install it, just attempt it. You un, like they're leagues apart because LFS is also not something that Gentoo you could run as a daily driver a hundred percent. You might not like it. It might be too complex. It might just be like how it's been for us and give you issues and try to fight you. But at the end of the day, it's by comparison to LFS, a much, much more usable system for pretty much anybody. Um, LFS is nuts. Like LFS is not for something that you want to use on your computer. It's something to learn. Like that's pretty much it. But theoretically it would be possible though, to use LFS as a daily driver. If, Oh yeah, because once you, once you got the base system and the the second half, which is whatever it's called, Linux after whatever it's beyond, called, beyond beyond LFS, beyond L, yeah, that's what it is, right? Once you've gotten that done, you have like a desktop environment and all that stuff installed. All that you then would have to worry about is then constantly updating the system, right, and installing programs. But see, that's the problem. You don't have a package manager. Uh, but couldn't you install something like um, I don't know, Nix or something if you wanted to? Well, on LFS, you can install pretty – as far as I know, you could install any package manager you want. However, there's a lot of the package managers that you would choose are going to cause major problems. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, from what I've heard, even the few package man- – well, actually, Ben is, I'm sure, still in the stream, and Ben could attest because uh, he's told me uh, that the few package managers that do work uh, pretty well, even – even the ones that do work still are a pain in the ass a lot of the times because it's just you're kind of whatever the package manager is. It's just like it's LFS is just so complex that it's it gives you an appreciation for the complexity that is the Linux system because to most people like you, you look at Windows and then you look at Linux and you go, oh, Linux even if it's new to you and you you have a lot that you don't know about the system by comparison to windows like i mean the code base is like much smaller like by, like by comparison much smaller than windows uh, i mean even if you took the ubuntu's code base and compared it to windows it's i believe even the iso for ubuntu is still like a solid 2 gigs below um windows and so, like, you can kind of have this perception that Linux is a is a more simplistic system, and it's not. Like, with how much Linux supports and how much, well, it's really just how much they support and do inside of Linux, it, by nature, has to be a very complex system. Um, and LFS definitely gives you an appreciation for that. Because there's no way of denying it with LFS. Like it, I mean, when you're using like you know Ubuntu, even Gentoo, like it's updating packages and installing packages and just dealing with the complexity of just the packages that you use is pretty damn simple. Linux from scratch shows you just how much work would go into managing packages yourself, installing packages, like you get an idea for the overall complexity and part of the LFS install is also learning about an init system that you will, if you actually read uh, the LFS install book, you'll come away knowing a, a way too much about your init system. Like I've never in the world thought I'd learn as much about an init system 
than I did through LFS. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I need to. That, that, that To answer the question of why I probably won't ever do it again, there's a lot of information that you learn there that's just maybe practical for some people, but definitely not practical for me. Like I don't, I don't need to know how SysFeedNet works in and out. I just, I just don't. I, I know how, I need to know how to use it, but beyond that, I could care less. Well, did they choose SysVNet because it's the simplest system? Uh, or is... honestly, I'm not sure. I think SysVNet, probably the reason for SysVNet uh, in LFS is just because it's, it's the precursor to SystemD. Yeah, like kind of the granddaddy. Like it, the code base has been around for long enough that I'm sure it's just more stable. And I'm not saying other init systems aren't stable, but I'm just saying like as a when you're already doing something as complex and in depth as LFS, the last thing that you want is an init system that just has a weird. Bug. But can you imagine if it was System D? <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> like I love System D, but I can just imagine having to compile and put together every single little bit of that because that does everything. Like it has... I got shivers, man. That would be terrible. Because <laughs> like, mm. the reason why I asked that question because it would make would have made sense to me if they like System D and it makes sense because it's like you said it's the precursor to System D, but something like Run It or OpenRC seemed to be to be more simple. In terms no. of stuff, so it would it kind of surprised me that they hadn't went that direction, but because LFS has been around for so long, it probably would never change to it. Well, and I mean, I think it's also too like when you switch over to newer code bases, you are much more likely to run into bugs, mm-hmm. and that's pro. I would just say that's probably the reason why. I mean, there's probably not like a solid reason for like we don't use run it because of X. We don't use like there's probably not reasons like that. It's probably just, this is what we know works and why switch to something else, even though it might be simpler if there's a potential for running into issues. When it comes to the init system, it's like the init system is like the system. Like you have to, everything, a lot of stuff is, is so dependent on that. They probably built it. SysV and it's probably so entrenched in everything else. That'd be hard to pull it out. (laughs) Yeah. And well, and I mean, that's probably another thing too, because I highly doubt that, there's many packages out there that aren't going to be SysVNet compatible because it's just so damn old. So uh, I'm going to pr- mispronounce your name, uh, but I think Rahil, or I'm sorry, I'm, I'm totally butchered that name, but you, his, 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 he said that um, there is officially supported LFS uh, SystemD uh, support. Uh, I bet you can't install that in 40 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna put that right out there. <laughs> okay, so that is it. For, uh, anything else to say on this topic, Tyler? I don't think so. Um, I'm gonna put this right out there. There is not a um, there is not a monetary goal out there that I could put out there that is high enough for me to ever do LFS. I'm just gonna put that out there. There's like 350. I mean, you're gonna miss a lot of sleep. Like, I, 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 there's just, there's just not a, uh, a, a monetary amount that could ever get me to do it. Like, there's just not like somebody could, could somebody could offer me a million dollars, and I'd have to think about it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I'd, I'd have to think about it, and it'd probably still be no. I, it'd probably still be no. Um, but anyways, yeah. So that is it for the the main topic. Moving on to the thingy of the week. Now, the reason why we call it the thingy of the week, and I say this every week, is because we don't have a better name for it. So this is the thingy of the week. I should we should have like a like a chorus in the background singing like a slogan or something. Uh, but Tyler, your thingy of the week. I've probably talked about this one before, but um, it makes sense to go ahead and talk about it again because it's awesome. Uh, Pokemon Dash Color Scripts. If you don't know what this is, it is the best little nifty program in the world. Because you can just run this command with, you can give it a random flag, and it will just pull in and give you an ASCII, like, Pokemon in the terminal. um, Like, just a random one. Or you can specify which Pokemon you want, and add that little command to your Bash RC, and then you will get a beautiful little Pokemon in your terminal every time you open up the terminal. Very, 
good. It is cool, but everyone always says that adding NeoFetch to your backyard seat so it comes up every time you launch a terminal is blow, but at least NeoFetch gives you some information. I'm just going to put that out there. Yeah, I mean, information, but that's boring as shit. You don't have a (laughs) cute-ass Pokemon in your terminal. Come on. All right. So, uh, yeah, I've tried Pokemon color strips. It's good. They're nice, but I I haven't played Pokemon in probably longer than you've been alive. I'm just going to put that out there. Um, It's it's been a while since I... Wait, hold on. Longer than I've been alive? Are you sure? My last time... The last time I played Pokemon was on the Game Boy Color, which came out in, like, 1995. Holy shit. Yeah. You genuinely haven't played Pokemon no, since since, I, since I was born. Well, you got to remember the 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 I was born two years after. Right. That. The the Game Boy Color was the last handheld console that I've ever owned. Like I haven't, I haven't owned one. Well, no, that's not that's a complete lie. I had the Vita, uh, never used it. <laughs> it was so bad. <laughs> it was just not a good console. Uh, I always wanted one, it, but my friend who had one told me he's like, "Don't buy it." it was bad. Like, the hardware was fantastic. The software was just so bad. Uh, Sony was going through its bubble phase, like it, it, the, enti- yeah. the entire every uh, UI interface art thing there was bubble. It was like Samsung came in. It was like Samsung. It was so bad. It was Samsung came into the Sony studio and said, "Hey, let us do your software for us." You know, you know. So it was so bad. Uh, but anyways, yeah. So I haven't had a handheld, a handheld console that I've actually used since the Game Boy Color, and uh, that was obviously the last Nintendo one I I used. Now I have had Nintendo consoles since then. I had the, uh, I had the uh, the the original Wii. For a while, and that collected dust for a long time because that was not a good console either. Uh, I miss I played the GameCube, but I didn't own it. Uh, but because once I got the PlayStation 2, I played the crap out of the PlayStation 2, and uh, then I went to the original Xbox and then the Xbox 360, and that's where I'm still on now is the Xbox 360. And my Xbox 360 is over there on the floor. It has four inches of dust on it. I'm just gonna put that out there. Damn. Um, and there's no way it runs. <laughs> Just the, I mean, like, no way it runs. The main concern would be you probably need dust, but then also it's you need shit. to play that Xbox. I play. I don't. I'm not a gamer anymore, like at all, man. So like not. And when I do play games, it's on PC. Like, see, that's what I like to hear. TFL is just playing on the console, and I'm like, dude, we could play games together if you play on the computer. It'd be fun. Yeah. But. Everybody has their preferred gaming platform. <laughs> All right. So, Fine. so my thingy of the week. So I did end up switching back to Arco Linux. And one of the things that I really like about Arco is that they have a couple amazing tools. So one of them is the Arco Linux tweak tool. And this thing does so much stuff. You can install themes for Alacrity, for ZSH. Uh, you can install new desktops from this thing, like new desktops and window managers from it. You can... Uh, control like h block for uh, ad block and stuff it just does a ton of different stuff and it does way more now than it did you know six months ago like they're always adding stuff to this tool and it's amazing like it, it literally does all the stuff that you could possibly want to when you control like arco linux so you can do like the best part about for me is that if i wanted to, to try a new window manager that arco linux supports I just go there, install it, it's installed. It's done. Um, and it in- installs all the Arco Linux like, configuration tools along with it. Now, um, if you're like me and have gone you know, batshit crazy and have installed all of the desktop environments and all of the window managers, and I have done that at one point. I didn't do that this time, but I have done it at one point. They have a tool also called Desktop Trasher, which will actually uninstall window managers and desktop environments it's not perfect it doesn't always work uh, but it's gotten way better and if you want to install something like say you install gnome and you want to ins- uninstall it you can do so uh, and anybody who's ever tried to uninstall a desktop environment like kd plasma or gnome you know that it's a pain in the tuchus and this yep. tool does that for you now obviously it only works on arco i might work on arch linux too but i think the the 
window manager or the desktop environment would have to have been installed with the Arco Linux tweak tool. Don't quote me on that. I know for sure it works on Arco. So those are my tool, my two thingies of the week. Uh, honestly, I keep going on about this, but Arco Linux is amazing. It is so good. If they would fix their website, it would be the perfect Linux distribution. Their website is so bad. If, if, if they just had a better website and if they had, like, I don't know, half as many ISOs as they have, yeah. <laughs> you know, it would it'd be amazing. But it's not. It, once you get installed, you're golden. Like you're, it's gonna, it's fantastic. Uh, but if you can't get to that point because you're confused as fuck on their website, uh, that's a problem. It's a problem. But yeah. that's a that's a discussion for another day. So that is it for the Linux Cast. Uh, ne- coming up uh, next week, uh, I don't actually, you know, have a, a clue what we're talking. We're gonna be talking about. Uh, I have no clue what we're talking about next week. I have to go through and actually put in. Um, a couple topics of my own because i'm a slacker so same here uh, so we, we, we'll have a topic next week just don't know what it's going to be so before i go i'd like to take one thing with current patrons robert sid devon patrick Dret, fred kramer Meglin, jackson tool steve ace regular linux garrick samuel mitchell art center j dog thanks j dog for upping your contribution really do appreciate that it's going to be taking a while to remember that j dog is up in the in the upper tier now because i've been so used to saying it down at the producer level so uh j dog carbon dated jeremy sean odin martin andy ross merrick camp joshua j dog crucible dark bandit six primus and pm thanks everybody for watching we record this live every thursday around three o'clock p.m eastern time so if you'd like to watch us live and mess around in the chat we truly do appreciate everyone who watches us live uh, we do pretty much ignore you in the chat, unfortunately, because otherwise we'd be here forever. Uh, I we, we have been promising a Q&A for a while. Maybe we can do that next week if we don't come up with a topic that's going to uh, you know take forever to record. Uh, but anyways, uh, if you want to uh, watch us live, you can do so at youtube.com slash linuxcast. Subscribe there. We do live every Thursday around this time. So thanks everybody for watching. We'll see you next time. Boy.